Out of the infinite choices you have, I'm honored you've decided to press play. With gratitude and humility, welcome to the top brand builders. Let's just get it started. Bill Schufeld, awesome. welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. I appreciate it. Excited no, to be here. This is amazing. This is this is really um, special for me. So I was just uh, before recording, just about to share. You know, I stopped drinking for a while, and um, it, it was really tough to. I still wanted to be social, and I still wanted to go out and do things, and it was you know just drinking water at the party. It it just took so much more self discipline, and you'd get these questions. And there's just something about having a, an NA beer that gives you that placebo effect. And there's something about just refreshing. And I found uh, Athletic Brewing and it was the first NA beer I really enjoyed drinking. And I it, it felt like a treat where it wasn't just like, oh, I'm drinking this, just whatever. So I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, that's literally what it's all about. It's um, like whether you're drinking or not drinking, to have something in your hand that you're so excited about, that's a reward that pairs perfectly with the food, the moment, and everything. And, you know, alcohol is just an ingredient, and you either do or don't want that in the moment. And there's so many times when you don't want that, but you do want what's awesome about those moments. And that's totally what it's all about. Nice. Well, where'd the idea first originate? Yeah. So it, it was just like a real pain point in my own life. Um, you know, I'd, I'd gone to college in Vermont and totally fallen in love with craft beer. Um, you know, four or five of the pioneering regional craft breweries were based up in Vermont when I was in college. And um, I'm a huge foodie. I mean, I absolutely love to eat any kind of food anytime. Um, and, you know, I, I lived in New York for a decade and I was working in the finance industry and it was just a very hard charging life at, you know, I wake up at 5am workout, and then had to be super sharp from 6.30am to 6.30pm at my day job in finance. And then it was very often work dinners, stuff with friends, dinner with my wife, weddings, were drinking occasions, either golf course, sporting events, restaurants, bars. And like, like I was living this super busy, high performance life, but also had like six drinking occasions a week. And you know, I was sick of those like one or two beers that would then throw me off the next day. And, you know, then everyone has those like the one day or two days a month where you have like more than that. And like, then you're really hungover and have like down days. And I just felt like alcohol was this ceiling on my life. So I stopped drinking just for lifestyle reasons. And, um, you know, I, I found myself in all those places, like great restaurants, bars, barbecues, weddings, whatever, uh, work dinners. And I wanted a great beer and something that paired with all those moments. And there was nothing out there. And I kind of realized like, it just like drove me nuts. I was like, why is the landscape of non-alcoholic drinks not amazing? You know, it, why do I have to like, just because I don't want alcohol, then have to have a really subpar option. And that drove me absolutely crazy that there was like no innovation, nothing exciting no thoughtful menus, food pairings. Mm. And as I looked around, I was like, there are a lot of people like me. I mean, like 50% of adults are barely ever drinking. Mm. And like when people drink, it's like one night a week or like a really special occasion. And so A, the economics made sense to me. And that was like 
super obvious, like the place in the world that like great non-alcoholic drinks would have. Um, but like, you know, I worked on that as an idea and a business plan and everything for like two years. But what really made me like get so excited that I like, couldn't sleep at night and quit my job was when I realized, you know, there are 15 million Americans who have like documented alcohol use disorder and there are no options for them. And then there's millions of other people who would love a great non-alcoholic beer in all sorts of occasions, but like maybe don't even set foot in a bar or restaurant for any number of lifestyle reasons and, or people who feel awkward at these occasions. And, you know, it's like, and if you just look at like stats too, alcohol is the number three all causes killer in the country and contributes to number two and one in heart disease and cancer. And I was like, if we made moderation cool and gave people better options, we could potentially have a positive impact on tens of millions of lives. And me and my wife started talking about that, the mm. like impact on millions of lives. And I literally couldn't turn this off. I was so excited about it. And then from there, I stood no chance at staying at my job. Yeah. <laughs> that just gave me goosebumps, man. I never thought about it from that perspective, but it's true. Like, yeah, you're having a massive impact on people's health. I thought about it just more from like entertainment and enjoyment, but yeah, but yeah. that's what it's all about too. It's uh, you know, so many of my favorite beers ever are are not like my tenth beer when you're drunk and whatever. It's like that first beer when you get to a bar or something and you yeah. see a friend, a family member that you haven't seen in a while, or you have a celebratory moment. It's like those moments aren't about alcohol. Those moments no. are about social and relaxing and yes. loving who you're with and where you are and the occasion. And, you know, just as long as you have something you're psyched about in your hand at that moment, it, it's not about the alcohol, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you have this great idea and you see the impact that it could have. I think the biggest um, from my perspective, obstacle would be making it taste really good. And that's what I feel like has separated you from all the others. It actually tastes delicious. And how, like, was that the biggest challenge or like, how did you, how did you nail that? Yeah, definitely like a foundational challenge. I would say like that, that was definitely like pretty binary because if mm -hmm. we couldn't like have a relentless pursuit of like just incredible quality it kind of would like nothing else is as exciting if you can't make it great and definitely hats off to our other co-founder john who um probably made as big a professional leap as i did um so like i quit my job in finance without ever having brewed a uh, beer in my life john was <laughs> um John was living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and moved diagonally all the way across the country uh, with his family to homebrew non-alcoholic beer with a guy he doesn't know in an empty warehouse. And so, like, it was like two guys who didn't know each other at all on Gatorade jugs, doing like hundreds of batches of trials. And John was just like so scientific, methodical, and we had both come to the agreement that like we weren't going to do it in the same way that anyone else was making non-alcoholic beer. And we wanted to like really start from scratch and think about like, okay, what's the best way to protect the integrity of these ingredients and fermentation. And so we really put like a full year into like nailing that process. And, uh, 
so much of that is John and his his brewing talents and cooking talents and um so that was like the and then once we knew we had something well John said first of all he's like I'll join up I'll homebrew homebrew with you as much as we want but he was like we are never selling a single can of beer if I don't say it's like award winning beer and um I was like perfect that's exactly what I wouldn't yeah. have anything else and um so total testament to John. He yeah, like just yeah. went to went to work on it for sure. How'd you two link up? Through a ton of rejection. Uh it was yeah, I quit my job and was like, okay, like let me just find a partner to brew with and um I I was very naive too and uh I got extremely lucky in the partner I teamed up with. Um that John ended up being so talented and such a great manager of people and um but yeah i talked to hundreds of people maybe thousands before i got to john and um john was the only one who really saw the potential in the idea and um our original business plan was to to contract brew in larger facilities and no one saw the potential in the idea and they were like so we like we eventually had we had to build our own breweries uh because like yeah no one wanted to work with us wow what made you like did you think about quitting at like experiencing all that rejection did you think you're kind of crazy you had a maybe the idea wasn't going to work out um not for more than like a few hours at ever any time um there was only one moment i can think of where we hadn't built anything we hadn't launched and kind of a lot of stuff was stacking up against us and um seemed like five or six big things against us. And um, I I remember like being in my kitchen and like kind of questioning out loud. I was like, there's so much between here and there. And like, are we ever going to get all these things to resolve in our favor? And, um, and my wife has always been such a, so she's my biggest critic for sure in terms of like sharpening my ideas and like keeping me on track and, but then also like in this moment of a valley, she also like blasted all doubts out of my head and was like, like, you've come way too far. And she's like, there are going to be challenges. And, but like the passion is there, the purpose is there and you're going to figure this stuff out. So wow. um, definite total credit to my wife. She, my wife was the one who convinced me first to quit my job. And then in like the darkest hours has definitely pushed me through, but also is my toughest critic and keeps us on track for sure. Is she a part of the business or she's in it with you? Not of not officially. So okay. she's just um advisor. Really talented. Yeah. She has her MBA and nice. um just has always been a great unofficial advisor and yeah. obviously a huge player in all this um in an unofficial capacity. Yeah. Um so what about getting funding? Like, how does that work? Is that a is that a journey in itself, or did you bootstrap it, or how do you how do you start such a monumental project? Uh, thank you. And um, yeah, it. Uh, so coming from the financial world, I actually thought fundraising was going to be pretty easy, and that was naive. Um, I I quickly realized no matter how much money people have, people tend to invest like. $25,000 in angel investments and most people write five or $10,000 checks for the most part until it's more proven. Um, 
And so fundraising was a much longer road than I thought to build that first brewery. Um, I did about 120 meetings uh, over a six month period. Um, John and I would homebrew during the day and I would go and do fundraising meetings at night. Um, and when I, I look back at those moments with a lot of gratitude. Um, you know, it's, uh, I've heard different entrepreneurs talk about this over time and um, like Howard Schultz of Starbucks obviously built an incredible company, but I think he did 200 investor meetings and it, um, I learned so much about myself in that period and got so many questions from really smart people who were, um, I'm grateful to anyone who took a meeting, whether they said yes or no. And because every question, every conversation, like I learned something about the idea myself or got a new perspective and, it was really formative um, to our future in the company. And then, um, but once I had that group of 75 angel investors, so right about half of them signed up in who I talked to, um, this group of angel investors has been incredible. Uh, I write monthly investor updates to the group to keep them up on the progress and make sure they're along for the journey in a fun way. Um, Cause you know, it's, whatever the outcome of athletic brewing is as a business, I wanted them to feel a part of it and feel the mission and um, be really excited along the way. Um, and uh, so this group, I read monthly investor updates and they've supported us all along the way, um, helped us build three breweries now. And um, it, it's an amazing group of people that I have an endless amount of gratitude towards. Yeah. Amazing. So are you in San Diego? Is that where you're based out of? Yep. I'm in okay. San Diego today. Uh, our two breweries are in San Diego and Milford, Connecticut. Oh, nice. Okay. Yep. So um, I guess going forward a little bit, because I am curious just about this story. Um, it seemed like there were there, what were the major hurdles? And, and I, I guess I'm wondering about distribution because all of a sudden yeah. you guys seem to pop up everywhere. I, I remember I was like, I, I found you guys one place and then I would go there and then it seemed like you're everywhere. And somebody said they got a distributor or something. Was that a, like a hard challenge or was it, was that, what was that process like? Yeah. I mean, everything in small business is such a challenge. I feel like it, uh, it it's brick by brick day by day mm. and over and over again, a million times. Um, distribution, um, so we were really lucky to, um, you know, it started with, so we were homebrewing in the warehouse and then we moved the homebrew set up to John's garage when we started construction. And uh, John and I would be hand bottling beer in like a 40 degree to garage and our hands would be freezing. And I would take those beers in just unmarked bottles on the road and drive all over Connecticut at first and then all over New England after that. And um one of those meetings was at Whole Foods in New Jersey. Um, and so probably one of our smallest angel investors who like sp invested the least amount of money out of everyone made our biggest retailer connection um, in Whole Foods. And, uh, but when I walked into Whole Foods, they, um, I didn't know how the meeting would go. And they basically said, we've been waiting for this. And I was like, whoa. And uh, that was big to get a retailer commitment, even if it was only like seven stores, because then we went to the biggest beer distributor in Connecticut. And to their credit, too, they're like, we don't know anything about this market, but this beer tastes great. And they're like, 
if you're making great beer, people are probably going to drink this. And if Whole Foods wants it, like we'll take it. And um, so we got in with the biggest beer distributor in Connecticut too, uh, Star Distributors. And um, it, from there, you know, uh, John pretty much, we only had a three person team uh, to start and John ran the breweries and I ran everything on the outside world, like sales, marketing, finance operations. And um, so I would just drive all over New England and sell into different shops and um, that our distributors would make the deliveries. And on weekends, I would sample to thousands of people at race finish lines um, every single weekend. And um, yeah, we really built it just brick by brick, talking to thousands of people in the community and retailers and like bringing our cans into retailers and tasting them on it, telling them about it. And then, you know, you'd have a super fan inside every store then telling customers about it. And um, I, I think a lot of companies when they start, they just like ship product and they're like, hope it sells. Like if it's on the shelf, like we really like, not only did we send our product, but we followed it and we talked to people everywhere it was sold and told them what it was about, got the talking points, got the tasting notes. And then, made sure it stayed in stock and um, it was really brick by brick. And then, but once that sales data was good, um, I, I think a lot of people start on like way too big a scale too. Like we started on a pretty small, super focused scale and um, built a really good data set. And then, so once we had good data, then you can kind of take that anywhere and convince people of the merits of what you're doing. You know, it's just coming to me that we, I understand how it would make sense for people to taste test it at the finish line of a race, but people that are going to the liquor store, they're going to buy liquor. They're not usually going to buy NA. Did you get any like pushback or was that a tough, I don't know, um, experience trying to like push an NA product to someone that's going to buy liquor or alcohol? Oh, for sure. I've had like, we've, had some great hits and we've had some spectacular misses too. Um, like I definitely learned a lot about like when the right time to sample is. And, um, mm. you know, I did some liquor store samplings on Friday nights early on. And, you know, if someone's going into a liquor store at eight o'clock on a Friday night, they are looking for to de-stress They're looking for alcohol. And I would, I would do samplings in liquor stores on Friday nights and, I'd come home, I'd get home at like midnight and my wife would be like, how'd it go? And I'd be like, nobody talked to me for like three hours. And then like some high school kids came in at 11 and made fun of me. And <laughs> like, yeah. And it would be like a total waste of five hours, like yeah. plus an hour to drive there. And, um, but then, you know, I do other samplings too, where it's mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I figured out, Oh, if I sample during the daytime, people are like, ah, you know, I didn't like, I'm actually buying something for later, but I have nothing to drink this afternoon. And like, so, hmm. it, or like at grocery stores, race finish lines. And, um, yeah, so learned a lot of those lessons through trial and error for sure. But I, for the first two years, I got made fun of more than I had successful conversations. A hundred percent. Do you think there's a changing mindset or like, I don't know if I'm just in an echo chamber when it comes to alcohol or like more like a health and wellness, just because now I've been, I guess, more surrounding myself and going to places that are more 
health focused. I don't, I don't really hang out at the bar. So I don't know if I'm in an echo chamber or if there is a growing trend of people choosing not to drink alcohol or as someone that runs a business like yours, like what's your feel for the overall landscape of America? Yeah. I think two kind of big trends are are happening at the same time. And like one is really superficial and that it, uh, you know, everyone's got a camera in their pocket these days and video and like at any point, anyone could be caught on video or taking a picture and like being drunk in public is like not some, it's, it's career risk. It's social risk. And like, so that one's like a really, people don't often think about that as, but like 20 years ago, no one had a camera in their pocket. And now everyone has a camera in their pocket that can like take really clear video. And, you know, if you're like, you see the occasional stories in the newspaper, but like anyone from like entry level to really high powered executives, like lose their job because of drunken escapades these days. So I think that takes some of the, but, um, Outside that, I think for the first, like, maybe not for the first time, but like high performance, healthy lifestyles are becoming really aspirational and cool. I think, um, I think people like Tim Ferriss, uh, really helped put that on the radar. Um, I think athletes and successful people are so celebrated these days and, um, you know, they, the means through podcasts and books and everything that people share that information is more widely available than ever. And, you know, you hear those common themes of like, like tips and tricks of really high performing people on podcasts and stuff and um, like your own. And it's like, it like the building blocks of those lifestyles very rarely include alcohol, I would say. So, but uh, more than anything too, it's a, uh, I think it's becoming really cool and aspirational to be healthy and high performance. And so um, also as products like athletic brewing come out that are great substitutes um, or even complements to alcohol beverages, um, younger generations aren't really growing up with the stigma of like the jokes that surrounded non-alcoholic beer because, you know, non-alcoholic beer, they don't know anything but good tasting non-alcoholic beer now. So. Mm-hmm. From a brand perspective, the athletic brewing, has that always been the name or did that go through iterations or how did that come to be? Yeah. So it took me a long time to pick the name. And uh, I think at family dinners for like a two year period, I would inevitably switch the topic to like, what should I name the brewery? Mm -hmm. And, um, but once we had the name, it was like a total no brainer in my eyes and I was looking for that word that took non-alcoholic beer out of the penalty box and was like unquestionably positive. Mm. It was aspirational, traveled across borders, wasn't tied to any locality. And yeah, athletic was it. it um, so I, I was trying to think of something too, that when you said it in a bar, it was easy to say, easy to hear. Like mm. it was a loud bar where, you know, I'd been the guy in hundreds of bars that had been like, do you have any non-alcoholic beer? And like, they'd be like, <laughs> I feel like all the music would stop. They'd be like, what did you say? Right, like, right. like the yeah. entire table or the whole bar looks at you and you're like, and you get served this like sad, dusty, warm bottle. And it's like, yeah. So oh, okay. I just wanted to like turn that experience on its head and be like, so when someone orders a non-alcoholic beer, they're like, yeah, it's awesome. 
Um, so, um, have you done any like? I'm just thinking about other health and wellness. Like, I I used to have a whoop strap, and um, and then maybe like I think of like athletic greens and stuff like that to build awareness. Um, has there ever been a thought of like creating like a wellness pack, like a consumer? like a monthly box or something, or I don't know. Have, have that, has that ever been a, something that's slid across your table? You're like talking about all my favorite brands. And uh, I've been, I've been an athletic green subscriber for a long time. It's, it's such like a base building block of, especially when I'm traveling, I think it's like such a good building block mm. of health. And um, yeah, I have my whoop strap on too. Nice, and, uh, nice. <clears throat> which kind of like helps me stay on top of patterns and sleep and different things about my body and performance. So um, we, we have a lot of friends at those companies and um, it's a pretty small world. So we hope to collaborate and do some fun things with both of those companies, hopefully. Nice. Um, you know, a couple more questions just about brand. And um, I noticed on your web or the YouTube, you, you guys have done just, just an awesome job at like I, I'm I'm in a content I'm a content marketer I make videos for the most part so seeing some of the branded documentary style videos that you have on YouTube are just it's that's like my dream right there is to produce something like that and um, I, I guess I feel that some companies I'm I'm not at the level where I can just go talk with like a you know a huge company where they have excess cash. I'm still kind of like the small medium businesses. Um but for somebody that has gr- has been growing and I don't have any reference to what your numbers are, but would um like was that a tough decision to like are from an ROI standpoint, I guess is what I'm getting at is some people don't understand like, how is this going to make me money? Or I guess yeah. I just like to hear how yeah, you justified that, though, all those that because they're so cool. And like, sometimes people think like it's cool, but does it do anything for my business? And as a CEO, like, how did you make that decision or decisions yeah. like that? Well, in, in many times it costs almost no money. So I would, I'd recommend just like starting where you're at and like being authentic. And, um, you know, our sports program the first year was me going to races. I was going to run anyway and like dragging a cooler out there near the finish line. And then when I finished, I would just grab beers out of the cooler and like hand them to people. And like, you know, no, I was kind of in my mind, I was like, you know, a race director would have to be a real curmudgeon to be like, put your cooler away and stop having fun, you know? <laughs> and so like our sports program was like super organic. And then um, our celebrity and athlete um, partnerships have been like really organic over time. Um, so like some of our Spartan athletes were people we like just met at Spartan races and like are like super down to earth people, but like such talented athletes. And you know, we'd finish races and be like, hey, are you like interested in teaming up with our brand? And like, you know, we might not be great in year one, but like hopefully we can grow into a nice partner for you. And you end up teaming up with like the right people who grow with you. And um, a perfect example of that is uh, Malou Peterson, who's like a total badass professional skier. And she's a backcountry skier, surfer and everything. And she reached out to us. Um, so she's actually at our San Diego brewery in the building today. And I just like gave her a tour 
um, she's usually in Canada and Sweden, but, um, so, but how that partnership came together three years ago was like, yeah, like literally zero money in the bank. And like, um, we, she was like, I have your beer in my fridge. I love it. I'd love to talk about it more. And we basically talked about something that we could like scale into a partnership. And, um, you know, it was not, it didn't make sense from a company budget perspective, but I, so I paid for half of a ski trip for like three of our athletic teammates to go take our two pro skiers in Canada on a ski trip, basically. And uh, we networked to a ski film director um, through a friend. And so it was Mark uh, Malou, Mark Abma, who's like a backcountry legend in the ski industry, who also loved our beer. And we networked to Mike Douglas, who was like a legend ski director. And like I think took a super cut rate uh, job on our company because he liked the company and like it like I paid for most of the ski trip just out of my own pocket because like I thought it was something important for the company and um, but it, it, decisions like that where you know you scrape like just scrape together what you have and um, so but like also you gotta you gotta talk about what you're doing to get people excited about it for sure so um, there's a way too many companies who send their products far and wide before talking about them too so like uh like a lot of companies will like either miss time sales and distribution with like marketing so like either do a ton of marketing but not of the distribution yet or a ton of distribution before they talk about their products so there's got to be like that sink of awareness where you're selling your products so that it sells on the shelf and stuff. So um, we've just been trying to always keep things going at the same speed in sales and marketing. Um, I just want to ask a couple, a couple like questions about you then um, just to get to know you a little bit better um, as a, as a business guy of like that's run this company. Um, do you have a business coach or how do you, how do you know what to do? Is it trial by error? How do you, when you keep growing, how do you keep growing and improving and like knowing what, what decisions to make? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. And um, I think we have a lot of lifelong learners on our team who are all just excited to grow with the company and all get better together. Um, I will say I'm a huge reader. Uh, I read every night and if I'm in a car ride, I'll listen to audiobooks and, um, you know, probably read 25 to 50 books a year. And, mm. um, so it's definitely like try to learn everything I can listen to a ton of podcasts and audiobooks about other successful people and, um, learn everything I can from them. Um, but, uh, I think also just doing everything with a positive intent, um, you know, trying to do well by your teammates and by your shareholders and by your partners in business. And it's a, if you're working hard and trying to do well by everyone that you do business with, that uh, you can't really go wrong. I don't think so. Are there any books that stick out in your mind that have had more of an impact than others? Hmm. Um, I love the book, The Obstacle is the Way, not necessarily a business book, um, but uh, so The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Um, I like uh, Blake Mikoski's book. Um, you know, Blake Mikoski, the founder of Tom's, was kind of the 
almost inventor of a triple bottom line business in Tom's shoes. And I've taken a lot of learnings from him. And mm. he was actually an early investor of ours, like totally coincidentally too. Um, and then um, I'll, anything by Simon Sinek, um, uh, The Infinite Games, a great book. Uh, Seth Godin, um, I love his stuff. Um, I think he's so thoughtful. Uh, he's like not only a great marketing mind, but also like a great like cultural mind, I think, in terms of like workplace culture. Um, so, yeah, in terms of like nuts and bolts business books, Robert Pfeiffer has a legendary book. Um, so, yeah. oh, I haven't heard that name. What's yeah. his book? Uh, it's called Double Your Profits. Okay. So, but it's uh, yeah. And there's a lot about. I mean, a lot of the things that are less exciting about business, but like below the line, uh, but equally as important to drive a profitable, sustainable business for sure. I guess along those lines, are there any limiting beliefs that you can think back of? that you've overcome that were huge hurdles or just like that unlocked new levels for not only you, but the business too. Um, so I think one thing that's different about athletic brewing than any other company I'd worked for previously. And, um, is we formed a really thoughtful handbook and mission before we started. And, um, I never, thought that would be as formative as it is. It, um, so John and I, we're, we homebrewed in an empty warehouse for a year and we barely knew each other, but it gave us a great chance to talk about what's important and like what we wanted athletic brewing to be. And so we created this like 25 page handbook that we still sit down and walk through with every teammate when they join our company and um, talks about our, our company, our culture, the tenets of getting there Um that we want to abide by and like what our ultimate impact is we want to have in the world. And, um, you know, those things have stayed incredibly constant over the last five years, but are really the foundation of everything we do. And so I, I think mission statement and handbooks can be either like a check the box or they can steer the whole ship and give a lot of purpose to what you're doing. And, um, that totally surprised me and um, how formative that would be for athletic brewing. And, um, but super glad we built on a thoughtful foundation. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> that, that. That is so true. Some, some people, their core values are just something that's on the wall. Other people, they steer the ship. That's a great way to put it. For sure. You seem remarkably calm and centered and just, uh, and lots of, gratitude it feels like you're grateful for a lot of things what's a daily practice look like for you to maintain this um energy level uh, thank you it um i came from a crazy background in the finance world where i had like 12 monitors and the day was go 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 and um that's always kind of been my um uh i think i'm a high energy person but like pretty chill um i i have a really good daily meditation practice so you know it's if nothing else it's five minutes at the beginning of the day and five minutes at the end of the day so it's literally the first and last thing i do before my phone goes on in the morning and after i turn my phone off at night uh is meditation time and um i definitely credit that with like helping me to work through the peaks and valleys of entrepreneurship a little bit um and then um yeah, I 
sweating every day. So even if it's like a two minute workout, like every day is busy for sure. But like, even if it's a two minute workout and you get the heart pumping a little bit, like I think that makes a difference and gets your mind in the right place. And, you know, of course, if I have three hours, it would be a three hour workout too. But, um, you know, just I'll take what I can get for sure. Yeah. If you weren't doing athletic brewing or having running a beer company and you wanted to get out of finance, is there anything else that you're passionate about that you'd be pursuing? Um, so I, I definitely wasn't like an entrepreneur at heart. I, um, I never ever would have thought I would have been an entrepreneur and, um, you know, I, I did like finance. So, um, and it's still something I kind of do on the side is like, I, I like investing and it's intellectually challenging. And, um, so I'd probably be an investor, but I will say there's, um, I would say in terms of like macro investment trends, there are some things I'm like really passionate about too. And, um, I don't have time to get too much into because of athletic brewing, but, uh, like those kinds of things are, um, you know, it, environmental and sustainability things um you know we only get one chance at this planet and i think there's some really obvious things we could be doing that we're not quite focused on enough um Mm. and i think water desalinization is one of those big mega trends that i'm Mm. really excited about that so i think if i wasn't working on athletic brewing i'd probably be working on something environmentally positive like water desalinization cool um nice i guess um just a couple more questions here and um yeah thanks for taking the time on this and no for sure it's been a pleasure um when you think back to the the man you were at at say finance or or whatever and to the man you are now and the skills and mindset that you had then versus the skills and mindset that you have now, like what, what has changed the most? I guess, how, what do you feel you've grown in what areas of your life have you grown the most? Um, definitely a great question. Um, you know, I, I feel like entrepreneurship is like the most intense interdisciplinary education you can get. Um, I feel like I've been forced to learn so much about everything. Um, you know, we were, we were really slow to hire. So um, John and I did a lot of different hats each. And so um, and we were so short on money that we would like fix a lot of things ourselves and um, did a lot of construction type things ourselves. And, um, you know, I was the HR department, the finance department, the operations, sales and marketing. And, you know, but I, I didn't take any of those responsibilities lightly. I would read books about all of them. And um, so our our legal advisor is like has taught me an incredible amount about the legal profession, too. So um, it, it's really I, I would say even going back to um, I don't think any of it would have happened obviously without drinking because it's a non-alcoholic beer company. But like, I think with drinking my intellectual aptitude to learn all those things would have been too low with drinking because, um, you know, drinking kind of numbs your mind at the end of the day. And when I stopped drinking, 
it unlocked like another four hours every evening of like intellectual aptitude. And I think that's been like the biggest unlock for me. Was it tough to stop at all? It wasn't. So it um, like, I think you could definitely describe my relationship with alcohol previously as like addiction or like somewhere on that spectrum. But like, it wasn't necessarily because I was like dependent on the alcohol itself. I was just, I have a huge appetite and I love being in social situations and I love eating. So like a meal pairing is natural. And um, so I think it was just a function of that. And, but like when I stopped and like connected the dots that like alcohol itself wasn't bringing me any joy or productivity or better moments. Like I, I honestly haven't had the temptation once really and i haven't missed it at all um there's definitely like certain occasions where um you know a great glass of wine or something like that i'm like oh like that may be nice in this moment but like overall i haven't missed alcohol like one bit in my life so is it's zero yep yeah i haven't had a drink in uh over nine years now so wow yeah um I lo- I love to hear that because I mean it doesn't sound like there was any like rock bottom moment and there wasn't for me either a rock bottom moment necessarily and I think some people wait for a rock bottom moment to um change their lifestyle but man it'd be great if people didn't have to experience a rock bottom moment to un unlock that intellect and like just more energy and more really joy for life i don't know do you do yeah. anything like do you do you think it's a, a responsibility not a responsibility that puts a little too much pressure on you but as far as educating people on the consequences of alcohol is that something that you dabble in or is it more just we're here for the people that want to pursue this lifestyle yeah we tend to i tend to approach it more with positivity and um so, uh, like, give people easy off-ramps, I'd like to say. Um, so, you know, yeah, rather than getting to a rock-bottom moment or um, people feel like they have no options, if if there's easy off-ramps for people to make moderation choices and feel good about it and feel cool and be proud of what they're drinking, um, I think that swap out alcohol or non-alcoholic beverages is, like, is much easier if there are options. Um, I think one of the biggest problems historically has been there are no options in society. And then mm. you feel really stigmatized and like an outsider if you choose not to drink alcohol. And then, drink people, alcohol. and then people, yeah, and people refer to that as people think you have a problem then at that point, which is, you know, you could be making a normal positive choice. So, yeah. Headphones were just starting to hurt me. So, yeah, I said, oh, adjust, sorry. Right? Yeah. Um, uh let's see i guess just two more questions question number one is what's the vision for i don't even know if i want to put a time frame on it but just for athletic brewing going forward what's your big vision just doing a lot more of what we're doing it's uh you know i we set out to positively impact the lives of tens of millions of people and i i think we're on the way um 
but awareness is still super low, distribution super low, so we can't have the impact we want to have until we reach a lot more people. So um, mm. I feel like in many ways we're just getting going, which is super mm. exciting. What's been the most, this is a part B to that question, as far as building awareness, is it social media? Is it traditional? Is it paid ads? Like what, what's been the most effective or what's your strategy for building awareness? Kind of everything. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the most impactful things are being genuine in your community and like meeting people in the real world or at mm. least relating to people one-on-one -on -one. and then those super fans will tell more people than you can ever tell so mm. um through like paid avenues so you know i think at race finish lines in the first few years if our team met a thousand people fifty thousand people a hundred thousand people those people have probably each told a hundred people. So it's mm. like, um, yeah. I like that. Just organic IRL relationships. Yeah. It's, it's not the answer. A lot of people would probably want to hear. Like people are always looking for the magic bullet. Like yeah. oh, I was at Facebook ads. Unfortunately it's not, it's uh it's brick by brick talking to people for sure. Yeah. What's one thing that you've learned along the way in this journey that uh, you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, it's uh, yeah, nothing's ever easy. It's um, but like at the same time, no matter how big the problem is, there's literally nothing you can't like take a breath, feel a little sorry for yourself and then just take a step towards solving it and take another step. And you know, those things that are the hardest things are where you're gonna learn the most, where you're gonna make the most progress, where you're gonna lay the biggest moat behind you. And so I'm always very grateful for the biggest obstacles, so. Nice, amazing. Well, Bill Schufeld, Athletic Brewing, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Danny. It was great to meet you, appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks for listening. If your business needs help with content marketing, photo, video, podcast, reach out at greenmedia.net. Until next time, remember, ain't nothing to it but to do it. Let's go.